0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Hout. I'm the Vice President of the Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, or AST. Uh, we're an agency providing services to individuals on the spectrum, uh, early intervention age, elementary school age, adult ages, across everything. Um, and I'm also a board-certified behavior analyst, or BCBA. Um, got about 12 years' experience now. Really excited. I'm just... Uh, Actually, coming upon my uh, my anniversary of, of starting in the field, it's about three weeks away, and coincidentally, we're kind of right at that one year anniversary of uh, of me being on the show and hosting this. Um, it's, it's gone a lot faster than I thought. Um, very excited to be here in Southern California today. Last week definitely was a much more stressful experience than I anticipated uh, hosting remotely from Seattle. Uh, I. I always feel a little tired at the end of the show, feel like, you know, putting a lot into it, and I I felt like doubly exhausted when it was all said and done. Um, You know, this week we are going to be talking to some authors who wrote a book that I'm really excited to talk about. And one of the things that they really do a great job doing and and I want to talk about with them is the different perspectives that they were able to encompass and, and kind of incorporate all into one book. And that idea kind of got me thinking, and I've been reflecting a lot on the conversation uh, I just had the other day. I was uh, I was talking to someone who, who really didn't know a lot about autism. Um, I think they probably thought they knew a good amount about autism, which – was good. Um, they wanted to become aware. They were interested in everything, really engaged in the conversation. And as we were talking, something became pretty clear to me. It was they had this idea that I was an autism expert. They What I could tell was breaking down with that I, I have a BCBA. I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I'm an ABA guy. You, you listeners, you know that. It's, it shapes my perspective. It shapes my experiences. It, it it's really shaped my opinions. Um, and this uh, this gentleman I was talking with, he he didn't really get what that really was. And, and I had explained to him. Uh, this is someone who I've, I've known for a while. I've, I've explained to him about ABA and my BCBA. But despite all that. I, it dawned on me yesterday, or, or yeah, it was yesterday actually that I spoke to him. Um, it dawned on me that he had this opinion that there was just kind of like one autism therapy. There was, there was one thing, I'm an autism expert, and therefore any autism service or treatment or, or any needs a child or parent had that I was the expert, boom, I could take care of it. And that's not. That's <laughs> not true. You know, it, 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 you guys know it's so much more complex than that. There, there's been an endless number of topics on this show that I admittedly don't know a ton about. And I, I like having our guests on to learn so I can be a better resource. Um, still far from being an expert on some of these, but so I can be a better resource to the, the parents and to the kids I work with. And it was, it just was really surprising that this perspective. And, it, and it's not, I don't see this as a, a blatant negative, you know, or us failing in some way. I think it's this great opportunity where now I can continue this dialogue and talk about different treatment and talk about different perspectives. Um, but it also put me in the frame of reference of if a, a parent, a family member, you know, this extended networking community we're creating, how many of them go into their first days or months or years supporting a, a person on the spectrum, having this, again, the same type of narrow focus of, okay, here's one autism expert, they should be able to do everything, and maybe therefore not getting the full kind of breadth of resources or knowledge or or, uh, or services that are really out there uh, to help themselves and, and to help their loved ones. Um, so it was just it was just really really thought provoking and I just felt like it really tied into today's show. Um, today I'm joined by uh, by three guests. It's it's the largest group we've had on the show, um, so I, I'm pretty excited to see how this is going to go too of of having all four of us on the on the air talking together. Um, but today I'm joined by uh, three of the authors of. A Thinking Person's Guide to Autism. Uh, Thinking Person's Guide to Autism, or also uh, TPGA, uh, of course we all have acronyms in in our community, uh, (laughs) is the resource uh, that these individuals wished they had when autism first became part of their lives. Uh, It's a one-stop source for carefully curated, evidence-based information from autism parents, autistic, and autism professionals. So we're really spanning a, a pretty big spectrum. Um, Our first guest is uh, Shannon DeRoche Rosa, and uh, she uh, writes about autism, parenting, evidence-based approaches, iPads, vaccines, and geekery at www.squidalicious.com, as blogger.com's contributing editor for parenting kids with special needs, and as a co-founder and editor of TPGA. Uh, Our next guest with her is Jennifer bide Myers, and Jennifer is an editor and co-founder of TPGA, or The Thinking Person's Guide to Autism. Uh, She writes at www.jennyalice.com, chronicling her family's journey from diagnosis to daily living with her son's special needs. Then our third and final guest is Carol Greenberg, and Carol's the executive director of Brooklyn Special Needs Consulting, is a special education consultant and lay advocate in private practice. She has a unique perspective as an adult with Asperger's syndrome and as the mother of a severely language-delayed autistic child. Um, and this really informs all of her work. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for being on the show.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
2: Um, you know, the first question I had for you guys is I, you know, when I was reading the book and reading the different essays, uh, I was really taken aback. I felt like this was a book I feel like I've read before. I've read a lot of different resource guides, um, and I was really impressed by just how different this was from most of the, the guides I've read um, because of all the different perspectives you got, the essays, uh, the science, and I was really wondering what inspired you guys to write such a, uh, an interesting, unique book.
4: Um, this is Shannon. Uh, well, because of exactly what you said, there wasn't anything out there like that, like TPGA, and we wanted to create the resource, again, that we wished had been there so we could, uh, when we, when autism first came into our lives as parents or as autistics ourselves, um, because... You know autism can be confusing and really overwhelming if you come at it from outside of the autism community I mean there are a lot of children who are parents of autistic autistic children who are, who are who have autistic parents and mm-hmm. for them things can be somewhat easier but um, if you're if it's all new to you there's so much misinformation there's so much bad science and like you had said in the introduction there's so many misconceptions about the approaches for best supporting and yeah. helping people with autism that we're like, okay, you know, we've been doing this for a while, we're veterans, how can we help essentially our former selves? And mm-hmm. that's uh, what we did. So we, we have been active in the community for a long time and we were able to um, use our wonderful networks and people we know to create what we consider the best resource possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the networks that you guys know, and I think that was one of the things that I was really impressed by is you really talked to, like, everybody, I felt like. I felt like every perspective was really there, and I was really curious, you know, where, how you were able to tap into so many different perspectives.
0: Well, I think one of the, this is Jen, um, one of the things that's amazing is uh, social media in general has created uh, sort of a democracy in this sense. Mm -hmm. And so, if when each of us, when we put out a call for submissions, and each of us put that call out to our individual networks, it was amazing how many people I didn't know that were a part of our community, the autism community. And when we each did that, and put those little trailers out there, that's how we were able to get all of that information. And then what we did was we pared it down and took the best essays that we had at the time, Mm -hmm. and were published, uh, many of them were published on our website, and mm-hmm. then we took the best of them and put them in the book, and we have many more uh, essays now online as well.
2: Yeah, I, I saw your guys' website. There's some incredible resources there on top of the book that, yes. that you guys provide.
4: Yeah, I think we have 500 essays there now.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's a project for the summer is to put it more into a resource. Um, more easily accessible as a resource rather than a daily reading?
2: Well, that's one of the reasons why I actually really liked that this book was in the essay form, because I felt like it was less overwhelming to me to be able to sit down and kind of go through the table of contents. And kind of I, I generally start, you know, page one, go to page, the last page, And I found myself more jumping around this one of, like, what am I really curious about? And I kind of skimmed, and it felt less daunting to read, like, a three- or four-page essay that was really to the point than, uh, like, going through a full chapter.
3: Yeah, uh, parents of autistic children are, and autistic people themselves, because of all kinds of executive functioning difficulties, Mm -hmm can get overwhelmed very, very easily. There's way too much. We're data rich and information poor.
0: Yeah. There's
3: a lot yeah. of stuff out there, but we're, we're not sure which um, applies and which doesn't under which circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I sort of see Thinking Persons Guide to Autism as a nightstand book. When yeah. when, you have a pro- when a problem comes up, you can always find an essay about it. And you don't have to mess around
0: with essays about other things that may come up at other times, mm-hmm. right yeah, I don't yeah. actually recommend reading the entire book all at once because oh, yeah. no, then I it's just as just as overwhelming as daily life, so yes,
4: yeah, it's meant to be a resource it's meant to be something that you can access online or you know the kindle version um another resource that we have is also the our Facebook page, you know where we said that we when we say that we have um You know, the best perspectives from autism experts, autism parents, and autistic Mm -hmm. people themselves, I mean, those conversations actually happen in real time
0: on our Facebook page. We have over 15,000 fans right now. Wow.
2: That's
4: awesome. You know, so we have these, these are all these people who can give each other insights, Especially autistic insights uh, for those of us whose children have uh, difficulty with language or communication. Uh, you know, sometimes it's really hard for us to kind of know what our kids are going through. And you know, those autistic adults who are willing to share their perspectives, I mean, it, it's invaluable. I mean, it's like those Mastercard commercials. You know, yeah. priceless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If any, I,
3: I would say uh, that um, the interaction you with the uh, adult autistic adult. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, This is Carol, Um, many of us, um, I'm an autistic adult and many of us who are autistic adults um, can provide perspectives through various mediums, even if, you know, it's not dependent on whether we speak or not, there are a lot of autistic adults who have very, very gracious, who are not speaking um, autistics, Mm -hmm. who have very graciously donated their time and energy to, um, to giving us perspective on what it's like to be language-delayed. I certainly know that even though I'm autistic and know quite a bit about what it's like to grow up autistic, I don't know what it's like from my own perspective to grow up language-delayed, and I do really so appreciate the help of the people who um, are non-speaking autistics and giving me a window into that because that's my son's world.
2: Right? Yeah. I think that's a – I mean, I, Carol, that's, I think, an incredible point – um, just, it, it's a spectrum. There's so many differences, and, and these resources um, can help, you know, us all understand the different perspectives as parents, professionals, as, as people on the spectrum. Um, but let's let's take a break and end on that point for a second. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break, and then we're going to talk more with our uh, with our guests and talk more about thinking person's guy We'll be right back.
1: Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter, Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined today by Shannon uh, DeRoche Rosa, uh, Jennifer Bide Myers, and Carol Greenberg, uh, three of the authors of uh, Thinking Person's Guide to Autism, uh, a really great resource book and, uh, and website. Um, you know, we were talking about the inspiration behind the guide and, and the essays and you guys pulling this together, and um, I think all three of you touched upon it at different points in time, um, but one of the things that I thought was really unique about this was that you guys really are into the science. This, this was very much a book about, let's look at autism, and let's look at the science of what's been done, the research behind what's been done. And, I, and again, I think that's a little bit unique from what some of the other things I've seen. Um, and I was curious, what, what sparked this commitment to the research and the science um, behind the treatments and experiences?
4: Well, this is Shannon, and I'm speaking for myself. Uh, you know, I'm one of those parents who came into autism completely stumbling and not knowing what to do. And I latched onto some pretty questionable scientific approaches at the beginning, uh, things like believing that vaccines might have something to do with autism, which we know now. I mean, there have been, like, studies of 500,000 children proving that this isn't the case, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but these themes are so prevalent because, for the most part, there aren't a whole lot of easy answers when it comes to how to best help people with autism. And so when you get a lot of people promoting guaranteed cures, even though they're essentially deluding themselves or lying, um, you know, it's really important to counter that, and it's really important to help autistic people and their families concentrate their resources on the good science mm-hmm. and and teach them how to recognize the bad science. So we're incredibly fortunate uh, in that we have a wonderful scientist, one of our uh, our fourth editor who unfortunately couldn't join us today, Emily Willingham, who vets, all of our science. Um, she's one of the, she writes at Forbes.com as well, she's a working mm-hmm. scientist, she's no. also an autism parent, and she knows this stuff in and out, so any questions that we have about legitimate science we take to her and she tells us so we can really guarantee that we are presenting the best autism science out there. And we're really dedicated to it because we just don't want people wasting their time on, and money. I mean, we, we really Thanks. feel uh, an, an obligation to help our community.
0: There's a sense that people want to, there's a sense that people want to buy hope and I, I wrote an essay on that. I think that there's a, a notion that if someone wants to sell you something and you want to believe yeah. it badly enough, that I think a lot of parents get trapped in that particular
2: space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and I was wondering if you know one of the thoughts I had and, and maybe tie into this buying hope that you, uh, that you brought up, Jennifer is is there some degree of you know i've met a lot of parents who the science everything in your book is like they are would eat it up i I, we had a guest on the show a parent uh named dana and i i was reading this thinking oh my god this is everything dana wanted wants will want from the type of resource guides that she uses and um and recommends but i also know other parents have different points of view and i was wondering what kind of feedback you got from from parents because you took such a scientific approach.
4: We, we get some feedback. I mean, we get some pushback. But honestly, if I, the, the problem is, um, and I've written essays about this, I mean, the, the, the anti-science or pseudoscience folks, it tends to be a real cult mindset because there isn't, I mean, it really isn't borne out by science. If you go and you truly look through it, um, if you look through the legitimate science, it just doesn't hold up any of these approaches. But mm-hmm. because it's a cult, because it's self-reinforcing, they, you know, they're really angry. You know, they don't, they're not always critical thinkers, unfortunately. What they'll do is they'll attack you personally and say that you're a bad person for yeah. not wanting to help autistic children. And they'll, you know, they absolutely confuse, you know, correlation and causation. They assume, that, you know, for instance, that because their child autism symptoms emerged at the same time, around the same time they were vaccinated, that, you know, the vaccines caused it when it's a coincidence or, you know, I mean, you know, they say, well, there's an autism epidemic at the same time as the vaccine schedule, the number of vaccines has multiplied. Well, you know, also the rise in, uh, you know, adoption of organic foods has also increased at the same time as the rise in autism rates, but nobody (laughs) is correlating those, you know, Two things right right? right. and so um, really it is unfortunate but it's very easy if you're looking for answers it's very easy to go with the people who say that they're going to give you what you want as opposed to the people who say that you're going to work have to work hard and there might not be any guarantees so you know the the people who have bought into the cult mindset are incredibly defensive but You know, the thing is that there are people who are diehards, and then there are most of the people who are mostly people are on the sidelines. I mean, you've got this diehard cohort of anti-vaccination people who are just not going to give up no matter what. They're not the people we're trying to reach. You know, sometimes they will cross the line and come over. But most autism parents are on the sidelines quietly soaking up information, and they are the kind of people we're hoping to receive the, the introduction to our book is a, a pseudoscience primer that our mm-hmm. uh, the Emily Willingham wrote about how to think critically and identify autism pseudoscience. So even if people just read that introduction, which is also incorporated into the mission statement on our web page, mm-hmm. even if they just read that, I think we've done a public service.
2: <laughs> well, I like that you guys, you know, from from the way you're communicating, you know, in terms of the people responding or or um, or so forth. I mean, I, I I can understand why people sometimes take it personally because obviously your kids are very personal. You know, anything oh, yeah. that having to do with your kids is personal. But I just love the idea of what you just said. It's it's about giving information. I I think I agree with you. A lot of parents do want to soak up information so they can ultimately make their own decision. Um, and and that's a big reason why we do this show is. You know, I want to give as much information as possible, give give my perspective, give my opinion, let my guests do the same. But ultimately, it, it's, I feel like it's our job to give parents the resources so they can do what's right for them. A lot well, of what I,
3: uh, we talk about is presuming competence in autistic yeah. people, and I, I'd like to expand that whole notion. Not only sure. do we presume that autistic people are completely capable of understanding and participating in the world around um, in, in the world around them, in the world around us, I should say. Um, but all people, I think TPGA has a, has a sort of mindset of presuming mm-hmm. competence of anybody who picks up the book. Anybody yeah. who picks up the book and read, is willing to read the book is perfectly capable of thinking for themselves mm-hmm. and thinking about um, what what is out on the table and what scientific evidence there is and what, what seems... Uh, reasonable and what doesn't seem reasonable. I think that uh, one of the things I'm proudest about in my affiliation yeah. with the CTA is that we presume competence for the human race.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I got that very quickly, and, and I I I really like that about it. You guys, I, I think it was, so many of the essays, you, you, it's right to the point, and and I didn't, Think about what that was, but now hearing you say that, Carol, it's definitely that presumed competence I, I, I get that so much um, hearing you say that after reading so many of the essays and and seeing that perspective. Um, I know science was one of the holes in, um, in resource guides that you talked about at the top of the, the show, and I was curious if there was any other um, holes that you felt like were really significant that uh, you wanted to provide resources to or for.
0: Well, I don't. One thing that um, that that I wrote about in particular was the um, um, the medication thing and being um, honest about trying to figure out whether your child should have medication. And I think, as Carol mm-hmm. was just saying, really presuming confidence, that was really just yeah. not not mainstream at all. Carol, what were you sure. going to? I was just going to say that I think one of the big holes was
3: um, the lack of input from people on the spectrum themselves.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And I think TPGA really has been filling that in. I'd like to think um, that we've really worked as a group to, to fill that in, to always listen to what autistic adults have to say because all of our, as parents of autistic children, all of our children are going to grow up to be autistic adults. We need to listen to. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. others like me um, on the autism spectrum about our experiences and I think we've made a very serious effort to do that across the board. That, that's missing in a lot of places still. I,
2: it is so funny you say that because an hour before the show um, my friend and colleague here, Christina, who helps who helps me get organized, who helps put so much of this show together behind the scenes, even said you know one of the resources we don't have enough of in the community on the show is adults on the spectrum talking about their experiences exactly can, what you just we said we can give
0: you a list of people we we've, we've got you just we'll talk offline we can give you a whole the, list of people to interview Oh, i've kind of our our page.
3: <laughs> a lot of us don't get the opportunities
2: right so yeah. well, and, it, and and we've had a few teenagers and young adults on the spectrum um, i was able to bring a friend of mine on and um, and that's what he said. He was just, he just really wanted the opportunity. He was like, I just am so excited to have the chance to speak and share my point of view and opinion because he felt like he got less of an opportunity than yeah. he would have if he for wasn't me, I have one more follow-up question for you guys, but you know what? I see we're gonna be up against the commercial. So let's take a commercial break, and then when we come back, um, we'll talk a little bit more um, about uh, Thinking Person's Guide to Autism and uh, specifically about some of the, um, about some advocacy issues. So we'll be right back after this.
1: Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, you know, during the commercial break, we, we, we the four of us got talking, and I, th- I think we're going to come into this segment and maybe put the advocacy um questions maybe on hold for for a few minutes and maybe jump into them a little later um but the four of us got talking about a concept that that makes sense to me um and and i think you guys our listeners uh who, who have been with us for the last year you've probably heard me talk about it a lot this idea of, of behavior is communication and you know i i that's been ingrained in me and i i thought it was really interesting in talking to the three of you off the air is your experiences don't match mine. You know, I feel like that's at times a given. It's a, it's an understood because it's such a basic principle of what I do every day. But in your day-to-day, in terms of the people you interact with, that you communicate with, you provide supports to, it's not a given. And it's something that you guys have really had to spend some time um, talking about. and And I'm curious as to, like, what kind of things you've been hearing and what kind of um, kind of conversations, um, therefore, you've had to have. Sure. Uh,
4: this is Shannon. Uh, well, I think, first of all, anybody who wants to understand why autistic adults have a problem with ABA or can have a problem with ABA needs to read uh, Julia Bascom's essay, Loud Hands. Just search mm-hmm. Julia Bascom Loud Hands on the Internet. It's absolutely critical. Um, so and most of it has to do with the fact that people still tend to look at the Lavos model which employed aversives, which Mm -hmm. if you do understand that behavior is communication, uh, you don't need aversives because you're working on understanding the behaviors and Mm -hmm. improving communication and improving quality of life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is, we we do have a problem, you know, sometimes with people just unequivocally condemning ABA when, in fact, you know, my, my child is in an ABA program and has been since he was two years old. And he, I mean, this, I credit it with so much of his skills, That he's gained, but if anybody tried to use an aversive on him, they would be fired immediately. Right. No, I mean he's he's a he's a great kid. He doesn't talk that much, but you know if you understand what it is that he wants, if you are in tune and pay attention, then he's actually a pretty easy kid to get along with. I mean, I can tell you, we had a friend over who was observing him um, for a story that he was writing, and um, you know uh, because we had people over. You know we had kind of a, a kind of a, a chaotic morning situation where we're trying to get all the kids I have three kids we're trying to get all the kids out the door and onto the various buses and carpools and uh you know, my husband accidentally put Leo's lunch in his sister's backpack, and then Leo absolutely had a fit, and none of mm-hmm. us could understand what it, what the problem was until he we finally figured out. You know, so the thing, when people talk about extinguishing behaviors, if we had worked on extinguishing that behavior for Leo, then we would have missed entirely the point of what he was trying to tell us. So we just really, really focus a lot on supporting behaviors communication.
0: You know, we had a this is Jen. We had an experience where our local school was serving our son, and you know, in a perfectly okay manner, but everything he did was every behavior was extinguished. And it yeah. was constantly, you know, sit back down, don't do this, don't touch that. And when he moved to the school where he is now, Every action, every squint of his eye, everything he does, people think, what is he what is Jack trying to say to us right now? And if Jack is upset, it means that we haven't yet understood what he's saying. It's mm-hmm. not that he's being a bad kid, it's that we're not yet understanding what his the way he can communicate is not the way we are understanding right now. And the difference in that child was amazing. He went from a behavioral issue to a student. And and the dramatic difference at home and the confidence, and he walks up straight now, he doesn't hunch his shoulders over, he's not beaten down every day by being defeated and, and not having anyone understand what he is saying because the way he says it is, a, is, is through behavior. He is mostly nonverbal. And um, if we had not gotten on to that idea that his behavior is his way of communicating, mm-hmm. then we would have missed an entire segment of, of our kid. One discussion I, I
3: have a lot—I uh, have a lot of the time with other autistic adults—is about ABA because so many of them were burned so badly by yeah. badly done ABA that they associate ABA with essentially with disrespect and with the um, pathologizing of autism. And yeah. while that has been done, and I would never for a minute dismiss those experiences, the fact is that there's no such thing as a therapy or treatment that can't be done with respect mm-hmm. and to, to meet the individualized needs of the student, which is what the law calls for. So um, a, my son also goes to an ABA-based school, but... Um, ABA can be used very creatively and in a very positive way. They, one of those, the essentials of parenting overall is catching the kid doing things right, and that's mm-hmm. what they do at, at right. my son's school. They catch my son doing things right all the time. They don't focus on extinguishing behaviors. They focus on encouraging um all of the things that he can do and really bringing out his abilities and praising them and building his confidence and it's been wonderful he's an incredibly self-possessed young man and even with the few words he has he's amazingly eloquent
2: Mm -hmm. you know during during the break I, i one of you guys and i apologize i don't remember exactly who made this comment about you know this idea that ABA or, or a lot of the parents or people you're speaking to sometimes have the sense of, you know, ABA people are just trying to put the kids into a skinner box. And, you know, I I thought about that as I was listening to your stories because I wonder sometimes, you know, I, I've spent some time um, doing, I've supervised young BCBAs who are trying to, to get their BCBA. I've taught coursework at local universities um, in ABA. Um, I've, you know, been doing this for, for over a decade, and I feel like a lot of times a lot of young BCBAs and, and maybe some less knowledgeable BCBAs have this image of what every child with autism should ultimately look like. And so they have this idea of every kid's different, but they all have to end up the same way, and I don't care what they're doing now or what maybe they want to do and they steer them all in the same path. And I feel like that's a big problem that contributes to some of what you guys are talking about.
3: You know, I we have part to... of that problem is, um, is a lot of people want to encourage, a lot of non-autistic people in particular, and I don't mean to you know, target all of you who are not autistic out there, but a lot of non-autistic people um, seem to want to teach autistic people to look less autistic, rather than mm-hmm. teach Autistic people to function within the parameters of their of their natural autistic style, and there's a significant difference. If my son, for example, my autistic son, um, was at the movies the other day and he was making loud sounds. Um, this, is, this is a part of, of part, one of his um, vocal stems, one of his behaviors. Um, now. He had to be taken out of the movie theater, not because he was making vocal stims and it seemed strange to other people, but because he was inter- his particular stims at that moment in that environment were interfering with other people's enjoyment of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was given a choice: you can, you know, if if you need to continue doing this, that's fine. But this is not a place where we can really do that the whole time. Right. So do you want to go home, or do you want to stay here? And he said, go home, because he knows he has the right to make the choice.
1: Sure. Um,
3: So we don't care what he looks like. We care how he's functioning and how how he perceives himself in the world.
2: So you said something, Carol, that I I find really interesting to start it off, Um, or or at the start of, of your response because I agree with you about this idea of choices and how is that any different than someone who maybe has a a stomach ache who says, you know, I'm not feeling well right now. I ate something that doesn't agree with me. I'm going to make the choice to leave the movie because I've got something internally that's making me make a decision, which is a, a perfectly reasonable thing. But do you feel like, is it maybe us, like neurotypical professionals, maybe some of the, the ABA folks that I maybe reference, it's like this this idea of the label of autism is a bad thing and is a negative versus what we maybe should be thinking about is the like let's work on increasing really positive behaviors and learning and language as as all three of you talked about for your kids, um, while but minimizing more everything else.
3: In this world.
2: That's- yeah.
3: To me as a parent, what will give my son the greatest range of options? And then yeah. he can tell anybody who's telling him he should be this way or he should be that way to go jump in a lake. Yeah. That's the basic point of, of all, um, of all the intervention he gets, and he gets quite a bit. He gets quite a bit of service. Um, and I'm all for services, but it's all about, um, services that work towards empowering him to be able to, um,
0: be himself. Yeah, Rob, I think so, that, that what you're talking about is that transition as, as advocacy changes, as the whole movement changes, it, will, it is the difference between asking an autistic person to fake it and try and mm-hmm. pretend to be a neurotypical person or asking a person with autism to succeed. And how can yeah. we help that person succeed in being who they are because it's an intrinsic part of who they are. And so we can is. help people have more skills, but we don't need to change them to right. be something else. So yeah. I think there's a – and it kind of depends how how old is your therapist, how old is your you know, director of special ed, where are people emotionally with how are they accepting, even within you know my own family, watching the transition between – looking at Jack as a sick child who's doing better to looking at a, a chi- Jack as a child who, hey, cool, he can do that now, and watching him progress like any other kid. You don't say a kid who's, who can walk at one is doing so much better than they were at six months because they could only crawl. Like mm-hmm. that's a natural transition of development. And so any of these kind of interventions are, are, are hopefully moving people towards having greater sense of, of of internal joy, have being more productive. In my case with my kid, I'm, I'm trying really hard to give him as much as we can so that he can have more independence and more free will because that's what we, that's what we all want as humans is to decide yeah. our own fate. So the more I can give him those opportunities and what are the skills we need to work on for that to happen. Well, I'm always saying
3: that if you're aiming for independence, you're aiming too low. So uh, although I do agree with you, that independence is extremely important what i want from my what i wish for for my son is interdependence i want him to be invaluable to some to some group of people i uh, want him to be missed if he takes a day off sick from work whatever he ends up doing i want people to say oh gosh if only he were here he would be able to solve this problem it's 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 great that he's that we're training him to be able to take care of himself, but we also need to know that, that all autistic people are, perfect, are as capable as anyone else of being an intrinsically valued member of society because of what they can do. And by emphasizing our strengths over our, over our difficulties, um, I think we, that leads to more of an attitude of interdependence, which I think mm-hmm. is, is healthier. I like that nuance, Carol. Yeah.
2: I, I think that's a great nuance for us to, to take <laughs> a break on. We've got uh, one more commercial break we've got to take. So let's take this last break and come back and talk more with our awesome guest. We'll be right back.
1: Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520.
0: This
1: is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to more info at AutismTherapies.com. That's more info at AutismTherapies.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our final segment here on Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm joined by three really inspirational uh, parents, authors, editors, uh, resources, um, Shannon, Jennifer, and Carol, um, three of the founders of um, Thinking Persons Guide to Autism. Um, One of the things that... I really wanted us to end on was um was again something that kind of came up in our conversation um is a you guys really talked a lot kind of off the air and in prep about the desire to not just provide resources, but to really kind of be uh, a model, not a model of perfection, but a model for other parents that they can learn from, seek guidance from. Um and I was really curious how do you how do you be that while still being real because i feel like it it can be very easy to sugarcoat things um when you try and play that role
4: you can't sugarcoat anything because then you're not being honest and that's 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 not what our goal is we're not trying to sugarcoat anything what we're trying to do is provide positive role modeling to counter so I mean almost all autism portrayals in the media especially of families like ours where the children uh, need intensive support are they're almost resoundingly negative I mean uh, even in cases where you know we will work one-on-one with journalists or filmmakers and tell them you know we adore our children we think our children are awesome our life is not full you should not pity us we are happy families living lives that, you know, we have defined our own happiness. We might not be, you know, the, uh, the Cleaver family, but, you know, we are, we are doing great. Sometimes things are hard, and we'll tell you about that, too, because if you're going through a hard spot, we want to help you get through that, too, yeah. but it's critical to provide positive role models because there just aren't enough out there in the, in the autism parenting communities, in my opinion.
3: I think I'm best as a parent, and all autism issues aside, I think I'm best as a parent when I'm, when I'm making mistakes because what I'm teaching my child mm. is everybody makes mistakes, and it's yeah. what you do with the mistakes that counts. It's not whether or not you make them because, of course, you're going to make them. Um, and also in terms of, you know, being a good role model, I think it's, I think it's important to teach children how to deal with, how to deal with the fact that life usually does not go the way you expect. Um, and uh, that's particularly important for autistic children who tend, um, for autistic people in general, who tend to to have a, a mindset of um, liking routines, and a lot of us like routine a lot. And, um, and so to prepare, uh, to be good role models for our kids and for other people, You've got to learn to go with the flow, and that's hard work for me because I'm autistic, and it's hard work for my son, but we're working at it together. I think the other thing is that my son has spent more of his life laughing than crying. So this whole notion of the tragic autistic child and the tragic parent of the autistic child and the tragic autistic adult is, um, is, is overemphasized, certainly, if,
0: if, um, if, to say the least. And at the same time, we want to be, we do want to make sure that we are authentic because some of the best um, advocacy, some of the best way that I can be a role model is to share some of the things that are really hard. Even if I'm just saying this is how we got through this or this is how I felt at the time, but just so you know, this thing is harder now and that thing is not hard anymore, because there's a whole piece missing about how people transition from child to adult. And that's one of the things that we're working on. But Mm -hmm. if I can be authentic and I can share, Even with parents who have typical kids, I've had the experience where because I look at Jack in a different way, they look at their kid in a different way, and they can understand the way that their child is, oh, look, that behavior is because of this. They're not just being a a rotten kid, they are hungry, you know. So I think that um, being authentic at the same time provides a a safety for people to know that they're not alone, and that's what we want in this world is to be connected to each other or, um, as Carol said, interdependent, and I, I think that that's our goal
2: yeah well i and listening to the three of you, I feel like something being hard doesn't mean you're unhappy like they're they're separate from each other exactly yeah. and I think that's an important um an important distinction because i I feel like there's a lot of people and I'm not speaking for parents of kids on the spectrum, but like I think sometimes the the professional community or maybe the um, the extended community maybe doesn't always recognize that. And listening to the three of you, I can really tell, like, you, you are happy. You take pride in the accomplishments. You, you, in everything that you're doing, it's leading to a lot of joy and happiness, but that doesn't make, mean that your lives are easy or that your children are, like, perfect. It's just it's balancing out the realities versus um, the efforts, I guess.
4: Now, you know I've got a, tip, a neurotypical 14-year-old girl, and I tell you, my son, my autistic <laughs> son, he's my easy kid.
2: <laughs> I can, at the moment. <laughs> so,
4: you know, it's all about context.
2: Yeah, you know, I we've got a couple minutes left. Um, I I just want to give you guys a chance. I don't know. Um, um, I know people out there if if they want to get more information or, or get in touch with you. I know um, there, we've talked about some of the websites at the top of the show that you write, all write for respectively, but the website itself for Thinking Persons Guide to Autism is www.thinkingautism.com. Autismguide.com. Sorry, what's that?
4: Thinkingautismguide.com. Actually, they don't oh, okay. show Okay, cool.
2: All right, yeah. so
4: And then our Facebook sense. page, and we're also on uh, Twitter at Thinking Autism.
2: Okay. Um, any, you know, just to, in, the, in two minutes, any final thoughts that you guys have? Um, we've, we've talked about so many different issues. Is there a closing thought you want to leave for everyone?
4: Uh, this is and I would just say that, you know, our goal is to increase autism acceptance. And that's really what the whole goal of this is, is to make lives easier for our families and for autistic adults and for all the people who are in our lives.
2: Um oh. that's, that's fabulous. Um, well, thank you guys so much. I, you know, I, I really enjoyed talking to, to the three of you today. I, again, you know, that, that thought at the end of our, our segment about uh, interdependent um, is, is one of a few things that I've, I'm really going to take away from today. And um, uh, on top of just some of the different philosophies and some of these great resources you three have provided. And uh, thank you so much. I really, I really enjoyed today, and um, I, I wish you guys continued success in what you're doing because you're providing some incredible resources to parents out there.
0: Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, it awesome. was really great to talk to you, and thank you so much.
4: Really appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, final couple minutes here. And uh, just kind of want to repeat what I said at the top of the show. I, I, really, I really recommend um, to any parents out there, any family members out there, any professionals out there, I, I, I really recommend this guide. Um, it is definitely a unique perspective or perspectives that I haven't gotten to read before. and. Um, I think the the suggestion of this as a nightstand book is is a great one um, because that's really how I digested a lot of the information is uh, an essay here, an essay there. Like I said, I really jumped around and uh, I I will acknowledge my ABA bias. Uh, I am a science guy and I love the science of ABA. uh, So naturally I'm a little bit more attracted to um, more of a scientific guide, but there's also a lot of heart. There's also a lot of, experience in here too which is probably the second thing I, I really gravitate towards is you know something about experience and going through things um that is really really valuable so
0: and i recommend everyone just take a look to at remind this. you we also have ah. the the website itself still has so many more essays on these topics and it's got a pretty good search function right now if you if you're looking for more topics or you found an author that really resonated there are there are more things out there by those people on our website as well, thinkingautism.com. Awesome.
2: Okay. So thinkingautism.com. Guys, check it out. I really recommend this. This is a good one. Um, two last things. Um, we are going to be back next week with uh, an, actually another author. We're on the author train right now, um, and we're going to be talking to uh, Barbara Share, who is the author of The Whole Spectrum of Social Motor and Sensory Games. So I'm um, excited to, uh, to speak to her about her book and about some of the different um, resources and strategies um, that she recommends. Uh, if you have questions, as always, more info at autismtherapies.com. Please, please, please post comments, thoughts, suggestions on Facebook. Um, I know I got a couple of good comments and suggestions over the last week or so, so please keep them pouring in. Um, we want to get gearing up for another mailbag show since the last one was so much fun. Hope you guys have a fabulous week. Um, Take some time to enjoy yourself, your family, your kids, and uh, and to just appreciate everything. Take care.
1: We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of Autism Spectrum Radio. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.autismtherapies.com. Please join us each week for a new episode. Or visit our archives to listen
4: to and download previous shows.